you also know there's no pier in New Orleans, eh? What? Wait, wait, what? Hold on. Stop. Stop everything. Hold on. Don't care about the NBA anymore. I need this lack of peer situation explained. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying there's no like... What the fuck is that, Dave? What's well, on Where's a my river? Pier? Well, there's just like a river. It's just all along the river. I mean, I guess you could argue that the whole river is a pier, but not really because it doesn't jut out anywhere. It's just... Dave, I don't care if they have to go the Vegas route and build out a piece of water in the middle of the damn thing to put a fucking pier in it. Mardi Gras is canceled until I get my fucking pier. <laughs> right now, you don't have it, Carlos. So... That's it. Mardi Gras is canceled forever. No beads for anyone, Dave. No beads for anyone. <laughs> Instead of showing your tits, now you gotta build a pier, and then Carlos will give you a beer. Show me your fucking pier is what I want, Dave. No nudity for Carlos. Just give him a pier. If I need nudity, Dave, I've got Fucci, your new favorite artist. Okay. <laughs> oh my god! Just print. Done. We're done. You are listening to episode 55 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. The podcast into a qualified idiots, blah, 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 the spiel. Brought to us this week by They've Got Proposals. That's pretty much it. Just proposals. I'm Carlos Alcazar, and with me as always is Dave Turnbull. I like how you've gone back to the blah, 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 the spiel. I, I enjoy that much more than the actual words. It takes too damn long is what it is. And uh, frankly, I'm too lazy for that, Dave. I don't got the energy for that. It's just not happening. This is fair enough, Carlos. Now, I may regret this, Dave. And I... I Maybe I should preamble this. I'm going to ask you how your week was. Obviously, it's been two weeks, but let's just say the last week. And I would prefer if you didn't list every individual thing you did and everything in your house. Okay, I can do that. But for the record, you did ask what was on the wall. In the great scheme of small talk, that means give me a couple of items, a couple of notable examples. Not So this was the window treatment I did. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. All right. That isn't what the people want. In, Go in, ahead. in short order, housework, going for bike rides. And finding out that work is seriously effed up and probably going to be even more effed up in the fall. How about I that? look forward to when we cancel schools actually being physical buildings and you will now do everything virtually forever in VR headsets, Dave. You, you know what? I'm not, I'm not convinced that's that far off from actually happening, but we'll see. Uh, but right now, the latest is in order to do a deep clean, even though apparently they've already done several, we're required to go back into the building. Well, we don't have to go, but basically it's like everything that's on a desk or potentially on a wall that's like a personal belonging, you have to take or put in a drawer or they will throw it out for you. Well, that's fair. I've often said you and your teaching ilk are diseased and we should just hose you all down. But, you know, that's just me. At least my tax dollars would then be at work. So we each have uh, three and a half hours on one of three days to go in and deal with stuff. So I signed up for one. And yeah, that's that's it for that. Unless you've got a lot of crap sitting around the school, that seems like a reasonable amount of time. Oh, it's totally I, the timing. The time is not an issue at all. And you know, it'd be yeah. fine. It's just kind of like part of me is like, okay, fine. But also part of me is like, one, I don't, I'm not 100% sure you need to do this. And two, do I really need to drive in for this? But then again, I don't want people to just randomly throw out stuff that actually might be useful. So I will go in. Fair enough. Sounds good. And then, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, realistically, nothing else has really been too exciting this week. Done a few things around the house, but yeah, again, I'm going to leave it at that because it hasn't really been an interesting week, but it's been an, it's been an all right week. I'm not complaining. How about you? 
I got a couple of things here, a couple of little mini stories. So one of them is that my company finally gave in uh, to kind of where things were going. Also, not too surprising, given that I think they kind of realized that um, for folks that can work from home, realistically, our, our productivity wasn't really dropping off. Everybody's kind of used to it at this point. We've been doing it since mid-March, so we're pretty acclimated to it. And realistically, given that this week was super busy because we were going into implementing, implementing and getting a bunch of users online and doing all that, I won't bore you all with the details. But the point is, there was a lot of work to do this week, and I had to work a lot of overtime this week. But even in that scenario, where potentially this is the most stressful part of getting everything ready, uh, it wasn't really any problem. The fact that everybody was remote really caused no issues. So it wasn't terribly surprising when we got the news this week that they're going to keep everybody who's in an office who doesn't have to come in. If you've already got your stuff set up, they're like, you can stay, uh, you know, we're not going to be bringing people back into the offices until at the bare minimum Halloween. So we're pretty much locked it, locked out until uh, the end of October at the very bare minimum. Realistically, if I was a betting man, I would say 2020 is a write-off as far as going back into the, any of the offices. That's probably fair. I, I think that's that sort of seems to be the way potentially a lot of businesses are going, especially if they realize, as, as you said off air, that, you know what, if they don't have to pay rent for or, you know, to lease office space, they're probably going to find a way to get out of that. But more importantly, yeah. the question is, did you get paid for all the overtime you logged? This is the most important part. Oh, the overtime, the overtime, hundred percent. I get, I, I bill for all that. Good. The, 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 the thing about being a contractor means you get to bill for the time. It's one of those deals uh, that, as a full time employee, I wouldn't get that. However, I will say the full time employees did get, did get one little perk that's still being worked out. The details are still being worked out, but the full time employees do have one little perk, Dave, that I thought was very impressive. What is this? Well, given that they pretty much acknowledge that they're not going to be back in the office until October, obviously they're going to give people potentially some time to come into the office, at least supervised or in certain windows to get their stuff. But then the other part of it is like, well, if we're going to be home for a long time, the regular employees are going to get a little bit of an allowance, most likely. This is speculation on my part a little bit, although it's educated speculation, that most likely they'll get a little bit of a, a credit to be able to buy some office stuff for their home offices. Nice. That is a nice person. So, yeah, but it's it's a logical one as well. Like, if you're going to be there for a long time, maybe you need a more comfortable chair. Maybe you need a stand for your monitor or something. So it makes sense, especially if they're potentially saving some money in the office space part, to throw a couple of dollars that way. I know Google definitely did that where they are paying for, I think, $1,000 worth of their employees' uh, work-from-home expenses to so they can buy equipment or whatever they need. Nice. But yeah, I, so think, I, think, that, I think that's a nice gesture on the company's part. Yeah, it's it's also if you're going to sustain that long term, you're going to need to think about stuff like that, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how many places start to do that. Now, separate from that, uh, the other thing that kind of uh, happened this week that was a little bit interesting, obviously, other than being really busy, my refrigerator started to act up. Hashtag homeowner problems. Nice, and but not, I mean, and by nice, I mean not nice, but these things do happen. Yeah. So unfortunately, and th this refrigerator is still relatively new. I've had it for a couple of years and I replaced a really old refrigerator that used to have it, but it looks like the compressor is starting to have some trouble. Let's just say cold foods aren't staying very cold. I started to notice it was a little bit off, but long story short, I don't have a permanent solution yet because it's not like I can bring somebody in to do repairs. So I ended up going to Home Depot yesterday and I bought a mini fridge. Solid. I mean, you know, it's what you got to do and that's a good, uh, a good uh, option. The mini fridge is always key. Absolutely. And the, the best part about it is now that means uh, the office has a mini fridge now <laughs> to hold like regular food. This is the first time since university I had a mini fridge. Although, Dave, although point of order, 
the mini fridge I had in university. So you remember that Danby white mini fridge I used to have in uh, my room in the basement? I do. Yeah. That mini fridge is still in service 14 years later. Nice. It's still in my parents' basement holding food to this day because that mini fridge, Dave, does not quit. It is not a quitter. It does not quit today. It does not quit tomorrow. It is the goat of mini fridges. I love it. I love it. Yeah, which is which, which I laughed about because uh, when I was figuring out, all right, what am I going to do? I'm probably going to have to buy a mini fridge. I was telling that to my dad, and he was like, well, why don't you do, do you want your old fridge back? I go, well, I would take it, but at the same time, you guys are actually using it because it is the goat mini fridge. Yeah, that is pretty awesome that it's that useful and still kicking. Like that's Mini fridges aren't known for longevity. Dave, I bought that mini fridge in 2004. That's Wow. 16 <laughs> years, Dave, and it continues to go and my stupid refrigerator (laughs) that costs like 10 times as much is basically breaking down after like two or three years what the hell man here's what i wonder and and like to say like honestly who cares to what degree it's energy efficient right at this point the fact that it's still running that's just amazing on its own well the mini fridge i think is actually pretty energy efficient i never I, i don't think it's really that much of an energy guzzler but I'm just annoyed that the friggin' mini fridge I bought 16 years ago is still kicking, going, no problem. Everything's cold. Everything's good. And like I said, my parents are still using it to this day. And my friggin' fridge is like not doing its job. Oh, my. Hashtag homeowner props and also hashtag build it like you used to. What the heck, man? Well, that too, right? And hashtag goat mini fridge. I nominate my, my mini fridge for the greatest of all time. I feel that's fair. Yes, indeed. So yeah, and the other part of that, of course, was went to Home Depot. Now, Home Depot was interesting because I hadn't been to one, uh, you know, obviously since uh, all of this began. But um, so we kind of had to go in through the garden center. It was tough finding the little carts uh, to do my thing because obviously I got to grab the mini fridge. And the mini fridge is only about, it's like 70 pounds. It's not super crazy, but obviously very awkward. So I needed to find the right kind of cart that I could hold stuff on it. And of course, everyone's just kind of keeping their distance, which is fine. But if you need some help, it's kind of screwed up. So in the end, I put the thing on there, got there. We were able to pay over where the garden center was. So it was closer to the car, which is fine. But then when I got home, I realized it was like one of those uh, movies or sitcoms, Dave, where like everything pauses. And it's like, and this is where Carlos realizes he fucked up. How so, Carlos? Well, because like I said, it's 70 pounds, which isn't absurd, but it is awkward. And I realized that I hadn't brought a dolly or anything with me. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to carry this stupid thing up the stairs, aren't I? Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be not fun. So I carried, so I carted that shit all the way up the stairs, carried it over to where the door was, carried it up those stairs. And of course my front door is the most, you've been in my house, the most awkwardly, imagine trying to move a mini fridge in the box in that narrow space and then get it up the stairs. Yeah. I'm not having fun with that. And I doubt you did either. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was a good workout is what it was, Dave. And, and by the time I was done, I was sweating and I very rarely sweat at this stage. Although it was warm, but it's not that warm. So I was done. And then I was like, okay, now I got to set, set this up and do whatever. And I know for a fact I pulled my shoulder. And I was like, oh. That's why I said, like, it's, that's why I said prior to my having to go up the stairs with the thing, pause. And this is where Carlos realized he fucked up. <laughs> I like it. See, Dave, those are stories that lead us into the, today's episode. Beauty. Indeed. So mini fridge is up and running. Food's in there and food's cold. Heaven forbid. I uh, obviously this one's in early days, but we'll see if it can hold up to goat fridge. That's a really high bar to stand by. I was going to say, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm not holding my breath that it's going to hold up to goat fridge, but it's good. It's going to be tough, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. In the meantime, though, it'll give me, it's good for temporary because at least it gives me something that I can reliably 
have cold food in while I figure out the situation with the other one. I don't know if it's going to be repairing it, replacing it or what. Either way, I'm not liking the possibility of, of whatever that repair or replacement bill is going to be. Yeah, no, no. Indeed. One more thing I'll mention as well, uh, kind of playing into all that whole thing is that I'm trying to figure out now my next thing that's going to be funny is that I'm going to have to at least consider one more purchase because I too am probably going to have to upgrade some of my office setup. So I'm probably going to get a new office chair. So I'm kind of waiting on that, but it's probably going to happen sooner or later. Yeah, this is key. I'm I'm yeah. waiting for mine currently to be delivered. Did you actually get a good one? I got a one that will suit me for what I need it for. It's not it's not the it's not the greatest, let's put it that way, but it is definitely uh it, it it's going to do in terms of like my back and the height and everything. It's going to do what I need it to do. And I don't spend a ton of time, like I don't spend as much time on the computer as, you know, someone who's working sort of like a like a 8 hours a day on a computer kind of job. You know what I mean? Yeah. You mean hashtag me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Like I I use the computer as much as I have to. Uh, you know what I mean? If 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 I was in a situation where, and this, this could come back bite me in the ass, depending on what happens in the fall, but if every student was engaged and doing their work, right, at this point, then I would absolutely probably be getting a, bit, a different chair. But the fact that that isn't because students have been told, your mark can't drop from March 13th. So whatever you had on March 13th is the lowest your mark can be. And if someone's like, hey, I had an 85, who, who the fuck cares? I'm Sia, right? And which some people now are being like, wait a minute. So I can do nothing now and earn the credit. And it's like, yes. So like, that's, cr- that's crazy, Dave. H- how did they figure out what I did for five years of high school? That's nuts. It's basically, I feel like <laughs> you should sue. They're just taking the Carlos ideas. They stole my gimmick. Five years of high school, and and then nothing I did there mattered. My grades were fine. I got I walked out with a damn degree. I went to university. I got on these lists. None of that shit means anything. Stole my gimmick is what they did. Yes, they did. Un- unacceptable. Just purely unacceptable. Yeah, well, you need to start trademarking things. I clearly do, obviously. No, that's fair. So I think that's good. I, I'll have some more stories, I think, next week because, uh, like I said, planning. Because, like I said, Dave, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring I do sit uh, in the chair way too many hours of the day in order to do my job. However, that means that I'm going to need a damn comfy chair and I haven't decided what the situation is. But at the same time, I don't want to spend too much money on it. So I'm, my cheapness is fighting with the necessity not to break my back. So I'm, I'm going to see who wins out in this uh, epic battle. This is fair. I wish you luck. Indeed. All right. So we've got a couple of things in the show. So I'll quickly review a little bit just to talk about one of the things I'm going to talk about. And I I gave Dave a little primer before we started going, but I want to talk to it a little bit more on the episode is I'm going to talk about a thing called Tops Project 2020. So if you don't know what that is, I will explain. It is sports-ish, although there is some very interesting stuff related to it. And it does have a sports angle as well. Obviously, the current situation we're in is impacting this item. And I'll explain more momentarily in a couple of minutes. The other thing we'll talk about is the NHL has a proposal for how they would return to play and how play would resume and what their setup is. The NBA has their own a proposal. Of their own. The problem is that everybody's proposals. No definite timelines, although at least it gives us a structure that we can talk about and consider with what it might look like-ish if uh, things happen and things get going. The other thing we'll probably talk about a little bit is the MLB uh, owners and players going back and forth. Kind of a playoff, what we talked about last episode, where uh, you know some of the players were expressing displeasure at being asked to take uh, you know additional pay cuts in addition to being prorated. Not too much has changed on that regard, although there is uh, obviously there's some bickering back and forth, and that's kind of what we have um, going on today, which may or may not impact how 
the Major League Baseball season happens because obviously we're still kind of waiting to see what, if anything, could potentially happen to actually get games happening this year. And uh, all that is kind of still in doubt, although it's funny because as many plans as are out there, nobody really has a definite timeline to get going, so we're still kind of in stasis. Yes, this is unfortunately true. So that's kind of your synopsis. To get started, uh, let's talk a little bit about Topps Project 2020. So first let me explain what that is, and then we'll uh, we'll have a little chat, because I, <laughs> I, I let Dave have a little bit of a look, and he had to kind of avert his eyes, so I'll explain how this works out. So Topps, as some of you may or may not be aware, is a basically a sports card company now. Uh, originally, they were known as a confectionery company. I won't go into their whole history, but I will give you a little background. Originally, they were in, into confections, and they got into the trading card business early on, but at the same time, what they became known for predominantly was baseball cards. And what where they became famous with that was with their 1952 top set, which is known famously and erroneously as the quote-unquote Mickey Mantle rookie card. It's not the rookie card. The rookie card was 1951, and it was a different company. However, the 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle is the most famous uh, baseball card not not named after Honus Wagner. So the point is it became kind of the standard bearer of the hobby at the time, and it continues to be a famous card to this day. Bringing it into the present day, Topps has gotten into kind of the print-on-demand game as far as creating collectibles that are on a print-on-demand model. And the way they do this is that through the Topps.com website, they've, they've created these different products that allow somebody to see, okay, this is the card we can potentially produce for you, and we're going to do this for 24, 48, 72 hours. We'll put a countdown timer on it, and you guys can order them at this flat rate, however many you want. And whatever you know, whatever number of orders we receive after the time is elapsed, that's how many cards we'll produce and send out to you. So it's it's been you know semi popular I would say in the sense that a lot of people do like to collect some of those cards, although it hasn't really exploded in any way up until this point. Enter Topps Project 2020, which is another one of these print on demand concepts they came up with. This time around, what they did is they decided to uh, get together with 20 artists in different disciplines and say, okay, we're going to take 20 of our kind of um, in some cases iconic and in other cases kind of uh, regular rookie cards and famous cards of different players. So 20 in total. And they gave these 20 cards to these 20 artists, not literally, but they gave the card designs to them so that they could say, okay, give us your take on this card, reimagine it in whatever way you see fit based on your style, and then present that back to us and we'll create the card. So in total, 20 artists, each taking their take on 20 you know, iconic cards from tops, and then creating in total a 400 card set. And what they would do, they would release these uh, two at a time. And you could either buy one or you could buy both or you could buy, uh, you know, groups of five or ten, whatever you wanted. And however many you order, that's how many they produce. So if not a lot of people are interested, then the print run's going to be really low. And if a lot of people are interested, then the print run's going to be really high. Now, one more uh, piece of background I'll give you is that I can tell you that for the first early cards, the print runs were pretty low. Because obviously some people were interested. Some people liked the art. Some people were collecting the players. Some people wanted to collect the set. And if you bought at the time that you were doing it, so I'll use uh, Canada as an example, we could buy the cards at $19.99. And for all the new cards that are online right now, that's still true. You can buy the card for $19.99. You can buy a pair for $35 of the two different ones that are available at a time. So that saves you a little bit of money. Or you could buy in greater bulk lots, and that would reduce the rate a little bit more and give you a bit of a discount. But the end result of all of this is that in the early part of it, some people were interested. Some people maybe like the art. Some people would like the players. And the overall volumes were pretty low. But as time went on, the volumes started to slowly increase. And then, and this is speculation on my part, some of the quote-unquote investors 
realizing that, well, sports aren't on, there's not really a lot going on here. Here, Maybe this is a potential investment avenue. So they started buying up some of these items and also starting to buy them on the secondary market. So the prices started going up. Remember, these were available for $20 directly from Tops for a 48-hour period where you could buy as many as you wanted. And as soon as the 48 hours ended, they would produce no more. So whatever was out there is whatever was out there. So as Tops started shipping some of this stuff out, some of it started to sell, including a 2011 Mike Trout uh, created by an artist named Ermsey. Now, I gave Dave a link to the Ermsey card, and I'll include a link in the description of the uh, or in the show notes so that you can all take a look at it. So I want to do two things. Number one, I want I gave Dave an example of that, and I also gave him the the image directly to Tops. Now, one thing I want to do here for all of you is I'm also going to give Dave an example of one of the ones that's sold in terms of price. We're going to get his reaction to that, but I'm also going to give him as well, just for contrast, I will give him an image of the card. And I'll include links to this stuff in the description for all of you so that you can follow along if you want. So give me one second here, and I'm going to grab this for you, Dave, and I'm going to give you now the link to a completed eBay auction for the card that we started off showing off here. All right, so this is so for you, the Mike Trout one. This is for the Mike Trout. This is first, this is a completed auction for said card so you can get a sense of the price. Are you fucking kidding me? That is the reaction I was hoping for. <laughs> what the hell? $2,499.99 US. Indeed. And there were some offline that some people paid potentially even more than that. Like, I mean, first of all, good on the seller. Like, whoever's, you know, decided, hey, this, like, does it, is there any part of this that says to you, Carl, you're like, damn, like, I wish I'd gotten in on this because I could be very rich right now. Sort of. Okay, so I'll finish this thread with this one first. And then I'll, I will answer that question because I do think there is a discussion to be had here. I struggle with this a little bit. On the one hand, yes. And on the other hand, the tricky part of this, this is a long, much longer conversation. The short version is that it's really hard to make that assessment because doing the Monday morning quarterbacking, well, if a lot of people realized it was going to be worth money, then it wouldn't be worth money because no, everybody would have thought the same thing at the same time. This is true. Part of the reason why the value works is because a lot of people didn't think it was worthwhile and they decided to stay away and it kept the print run relatively low, although over 2,000 of them is still quite a bit. But obviously the demands currently still outstrips the supply and there's going to be no more. So hopefully you got the link there, Dave. That's to the regular version of the card. So this is the a car, the original artwork. like the, Well, not artwork, but card, right? This is the original Mike Trout card that this piece of art is based on. Yeah, okay. Like, so first of all, like, are these supposed to be iconic? Like, what the fuck is iconic about this card? Okay, yes, it's Mike Trout's rookie card. I will give you that. I'll get to this. I'll get to this. I'll get to this. But there's something very important I need to do, Dave. And like I said, everybody, I will give you all links so that you can see what the Ermsey card looks like. And I will also send you the link that I just sent to Dave, which shows the actual regular card itself. And you can do like a side-by-side -side or whatever you want to do. And I'll, I'll talk to the piece that you're talking about there, Dave. First, before I do anything else, as you, may, as you folks may or may not be aware, Dave himself is an art connoisseur. So what I need, Dave, from you is now that you know what the original looks like, and now you know what the Ermsey example looks like, can we get a bit of an artistic assessment of what it is you're seeing? I like okay. So so here's the thing. Like the Ermsey thing, I think is supposed to be the whole thing in motion. But the problem is, it's like the head's moving. It, there's some kind of like blue swirly thing that maybe is look like he's moving his arms, but it's, the bat's not moving. So why the fuck is the bat not moving? If the whole well, thing is Well, there's also multiple move, hands and multiple bats, Dave. And multiple not, heads. Well, yes, but also no. Like there's, there's, you, it's very clear there are multiple heads. 
It's very yes. clear there are multiple hands. It's very mm -hmm. clear there are at least three legs, maybe two, I don't know, depending on how you look at it. Okay? It is not clear that there are multiple bats. I, I mean, yeah, I can see two when you really look at it, but there's one prominent bat, eight prominent heads. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, I'm not an artist, right? Like, that's not my thing. But this is, I don't know. I do not, like, I don't like the way this turned out. Uh, you know what I mean? It looks like it's either blue smoke or a blue, like, entrail. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> and I don't think people listening to this and then looking it up are going to know what the hell it is either. This is the fun part about this whole thing, is that, like, yes, multiple artists took multiple interpretations of this card. And this has been kind of the whole thing. Now, let me give you, by contrast, Dave, I'm going to give you a different. This It's the same Mike Trout card, so we can say apples to apples here. So this one is uh, by an artist named Andrew Thiel. Same card. Exactly the same card as the basis for this piece of art. Now right. take a look at this one by contrast. So you could have bought the you could have bought this one as well. All of these, all the ones I'm going to show you are all okay. were all available through the same product. So I don't see. I, I don't love it either, but I like it better than the other one. Yeah, this one's more like a traditional kind of piece of art. Uh, I haven't seen what the medium is. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, it's almost like a watercolor thing. It's kind of like an ang another angle on it. It. I'm not exactly sure what it's intended to be, but it's ta it's taking the same. At least it looks like the card it was originally designed after. Let's put it that way. That's fair. Now the whole thing, and what this is kind of one of the running jokes for me, is that art is subjective. It's my favorite phrase to throw in in this situation. Art is subjective. It depends on what your taste is. It depends on what you like. It depends on what you uh, what you enjoy. Because each artist takes a completely different angle on the exact same thing. Now I'm going to get away from the Mike Trout for a second, but I will explain why the Mike Trout is quote unquote iconic in a second, Dave. Now, take a look at this one. This one's based on, off of a 1954 Tops, Ted Williams. So this is a uh, right, an artist so. named Old Man Allen. So this is a Ted Williams card. Right. And again, okay. everybody, this is the this is the one time where you're going to have to be interactive with us. You're going to have to use these links because it's going to be really hard to understand what we're talking about <laughs> if you like, don't look at it. Why did I listen to this podcast? But, you know, well, if you follow along with the links, it's all good. Uh, okay, so this one, I, I, I like it. I mean, again, you're going to show are you going to show me the original one of this? I will show you the original. But one, yeah. but it's very plain. I mean, this almost looks like it could have been the original card. That's kind of uh, that's kind of what I like about this one. This one here is actually I actually like it better than the original for myself. And the reason for that is actually that um, design wise, it actually borrows a lot from sets of the time. It actually looks like a card that Bowman, the competitor to Tops, could have produced at the time with a similar concept. So this one is an original copy. It is a lower grade copy, but you'll be able to see the design elements anyway. This is the 1954 Tops Ted Williams that it's based on. Okay, so yeah, basically it's the same card. I mean, the images are the same. They've, he's just, uh, the artist has put, uh, I'm assuming that's Fenway Park in the background. Yeah, so basically what they did is he took the same headshot and then in the background did more of a digital art piece with Ted Williams actually playing at the time instead of what Tops did where they had an action shot. What I like, though, is that now there's now the space is filled as opposed to being filled up with a solid color. Yes, I would agree. And they kept the fact that there's no top order. Design, that design element remains. It, stay, it sticks from the original idea, the original concept. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that one. And the thing is, there's going to be a lot of different art forms that, you know, different people do it. But there's one more day that I got to do. And right. this is, uh, and this is my personal favorite. And now I'm going to give you a piece of context. But before I do, I'm going to give you the link here in a second. But one important piece of context. So I'll explain. 
the whole iconic thing with the 2011 Mike Trout. It is his rookie card, and obviously Mike Trout is quote-unquote the best player in the game, slash, you know, the best Mike in that plays for the Angels, in reality. Yeah. But the reality is that that Mike Trout card, the actual, original Mike Trout card, has taken off in recent years, but up until the prices started to creep back a little bit on the Tops Project 2020 card, but there was a little stretch of at the end of last week and the beginning of this week where the Mike Trout Project 2020 card actually exceeded the value of a PSA 10 graded version of the actual Mike Trout rookie. <laughs> That's crazy. That's it crazy. was so good. It made me laugh so hard. I was like, you can buy the actual Mike Trout card for less than that one. All right. So here it is, Dave. I'm going to give you this one. This is a 1989 Topps Ken Griffey Jr. by an artist named Keith Shore. Okay. I that yeah, reaction is perfect. It's like it kind of looks like it's it's uh kind of like from a Nintendo video game. Indeed, Dave, look at the print run on the screen. That's how many they've made. That's how many they made during that forty-eight hour period. Some people have too much time and too much money. But Dave, read the number. Read the I, number. Ninety-nine thousand one hundred seventy-seven. Nearly one hundred thousand copies of this art. Yeah, I did. Uh... <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing. I like the idea. This Project 2020 thing is a cool idea. Yes. I'm not sure it worked out that way in practice, though. Well, here's the thing, though. From a Topps perspective, it totally did because Topps... Yes. For them, obviously, they're making a bunch of money on this, and people are buying, and that's great. So for top, from a Topps perspective, absolutely. From The uh, artists, by the way, real quick, point of order, the artists also do get a cut of each card sold. Which is good. So the more cards sell, the better it is for the artists. Which is good for them. You know, yes. uh, especially in a time when they they may not be working in a capacity that they would normally be working in. So, and it also raises their profile because if somebody really does like their piece of art, maybe they'll order a commission or something. Like, it's not a bad thing for the artists themselves. No, I think I think for all people, I love the idea. I love that the artists are getting paid. I love that they're having an opportunity. What I don't love is the actual artwork. It's one of those things, right? It's extremely polarizing. But I'm sure, obviously, there's an. Either there's enough people who do like the artwork or there's almost 100,000 people who are really, really stupid being like, hey, I saw what happened to the Mike Trout card and therefore I'm going to buy a bunch of this, not realizing that a bunch of other people probably saw what happened to the Mike Trout card and that's not going to happen with the majority of the rest of the cards. That's right. This is a 1969 Tops Nolan Ryan by artist Andrew Thiel, who was one of the ones I mentioned earlier with when I used for the Trout example. This is the 1969. Some of these ones, I might actually have these original cards. Maybe not. Well, not this 1969, but I have like that Griffey one. I may have. Um, I also, I'll tell you, I did look up a little bit. The ones that are on now, the Frank Thomas one. Yep. I think I actually have that original card. Yeah. The 1990 tops probably. Um, Yeah. I don't mind this one. I, I, this one is like, again, I'm not sure I want it on a card too. I like maybe the medium is, is an issue too, but if this was like a piece of artwork, Let's put it this way. If I was at the Baseball Hall of Fame Museum and this was on the wall, I might take a picture of it because I'm like, that's kind of cool. You know, like I don't want it as a card, but I like it as a piece of art. I like the actual 1969 Topps original card, and I don't mind Andrew Thiel's style. But this is the key, is that some artists have certain style and some artists have a different style. And a lot of it is going to depend on what you like as far as your style. Some of them stand out for some folks a little bit more than others. And... There's a very clear differentiating line where some people are like really into a certain style and some of them are not so much into it. And that's where you do get a little bit of division because some of them are obviously going to stand out more so than others. 
but some of it genuinely makes me laugh. Like it really does. I, I find it hysterically funny. I do enjoy it in a certain way. And um, I'm not going to spend all day on this, but there's one more there that I, I, I'm going to get a kick out of it because I, I got to do it. All right, Dave, get ready. Prepare yourself mentally for Fuji. Oh, I'm just. It's art, Dave. Show some culture. All right. You supposedly, you supposedly teach drama. That's artish. Come on, show some culture. This is a Mike Trout by Fuji. Actually, I don't hate this one. It's a little more abstract, right? Yeah, but but I don't I don't I don't hate it. Dave, could you describe some of the artistic elements you see? Uh, I see I, so I see I hate I don't I don't want to say this, Carlos. And you're gonna maybe Ooh, you're say gonna, it. Uh, now I want you to say it. But it's just like because I feel bad because I don't want to like I'm not trying to like disparage Fuji or anything. This looks like I could draw this. Dave, I, I I'm I'm confident in saying you could draw this. Right? Like that he doesn't have a face. And that's one that's hard. <laughs> Faces and hands, right? Are yes. the hardest thing. If you're sketching a human being, those are the hardest things to sketch. Are your face and your hands, right? Those are the hardest things to draw. Uh the hands are wrapped around a bat, so that makes yeah. that a lot easier. But fair enough, it's baseball, so I'm not complaining there. And he doesn't have a face. So Are you suggesting that the lack of a face is a critical element in this piece of art? Yeah, it's extremely, it's the first thing I saw. Well, then can you look at the last one I'm going to give you on the link there? This is Sandy Koufax by Fuji as well. Okay. Now, but again, that I do like that one and I do like that piece of art. I'm, I'm down with it. With this. <laughs> so Dave, what would you say is the key piece to this? To this Sandy Kopech. Okay, first of all, I like the I like the Mike Trout, Mike Trout one more, but I like it less than I did two thirty seconds ago, uh, because there's no face on this one either. That's what you style. All of them have no face. Okay, like you know what I mean. So great, that's your style. But now it's like, I don't know. You know, it also kind of looks like it's like almost like a piece of artwork from The Simpsons. Well, except The Simpsons have faces. No, but I mean like, and they're yellow too. But in terms of like the the style and the way things are drawn, but yeah, no. <sighs> it's so good because i can literally go like there are 20 artists dave i could literally go for like 20 more minutes just doing examples of this some of that are really interesting some that i really like and some that are questionable ish we'll say well i'm just saying okay i mean you didn't make you should put it on and talk about it i do like the frank thomas one so you should probably put that which link. frank thomas one which Frank Thomas one? Uh, the one that's on there right now. So well, hold on a second. You, I will you send to... you. I will send you the link, Carlos. All right. Like, and by the way, everybody, when you get the links that I'm going to give you, you can actually check. It's called the Project 2020 Archive, and you can see the ones that are already done. And not only can you see the card, you can see what the print run was, and you can see how many people ordered. You can get us now. By the way, remember what I said earlier, everybody. You can order multiples, so I could order ten at a time, and I could make five orders at ten at a time, so I'd have fifty. And some people. Some of the artists have said that they've ordered upwards of 500 to 1,000 for themselves. So because their intention is to have it so that any fans or whatever can request it and they can autograph it for them and give them the piece of art. Obviously, as an artist, that's perfectly legitimate. There's nothing wrong with that. And But that will also add into the actual print run, so you have to bear it in mind. However, when you've got one of them that has a print run of over 99,000, that barely puts a dent in. That really is almost irrelevant. That yeah. Uh, so it's the Frank Thomas by Fuji. I just sent you the link. Okay, Frank uh, another Fuji faceless one, but I I do like yeah. this one. But again, I I have I'm pretty sure I have that original card, so I like that card, and I like Frank Thomas, but which Dave, helps. That one has 16 hours and 53 minutes remaining. Will you be a buyer at 19.99, Dave? Probably not. 
Probably not. <laughs> Disgraceful. Pure disgrace. But just just terrible. Awful. Does all Fuji's artwork have no faces? Now I'm gonna like go down the Fuji rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. It all does. Feel free. Take a look. It's good it's good stuff. There's a like I said, uh, certain artists are gonna be polarizing. Some One fairly, that I kind of been... some fairly erotic art in this. If you actually look up Fuji himself, yes. Yeah. Like <laughs> No, now, now you're now, now you're appreciating Fushi a little more, Dan. Nor, uh, sorry, no faces on any of them, but a, a lot of like TNA. <laughs> yes, yes, Dave. Well, no, tell tell us more, Dave. Let's let's put it this way, okay? Because when you go down the rabbit hole, you you know you're gonna go down the rabbit hole, right? Uh huh. So how about this from a CBC article, Carlos? Mm-hmm. Okay. Entitled "Boobs, Butts, and Birds." How a secretive Toronto artist found a career and controversy on Instagram. Can you now see, Dave, why I really wanted to go down the rabbit hole of Top Tw- Project 2020? I, I, hey, man, I'm down. I'm glad we did. I don't know if we really need to talk about anything else at this point, but I'm sure we will. But we will, we will. But she never this asked to be put in a gallery. He's, but he's shown his NSFW. Obviously, mm-hmm. I should have just said not, not safe, safe for work. work. Not safe for work. Paintings yes. worldwide. Correct. Yes. Well, let's put it this way. I'm just glad Fuji didn't do a not safe for work baseball card. Although I guess there's still time. I, I, I think he thought about it. I think, but I think he does have to base it on the original card, at least somewhat base it on the original baseball card. Now, two things. Uh, last one, last thing I gave you, I sent you one more Frank Thomas, by the way, this one should look more like the Frank Thomas you'd recognize, right. but uh, this one's by Matt Taylor. That's his style. That's a nice one too. I mean, again, that looks yeah, like that's... it could have been the original card, right? Or like a, like an, ins- an insert. You, you can know? go absolutely off the deep end in terms of abstract, off the deep end, you know, having no faces from boob guy. You, you've got like different ones. There's a, there's a guy named Ben Baller that blings out some of the cards. Like there's a lot of variations. There's a Don C who does metallic versions of these cards. And there's, a, there's different styles for different people. And some of them really do look like the card, but obviously the artists put their own treatment on it. It's polarizing in the sense that there's a lot of ways to go about it. And once you go down the rabbit hole, guys, you can you can really get a sense of all the different styles. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with if you like one, you know, maybe maybe pick up just the ones you like. But I will say for speculators and folks that were got into it, that 99,000 figure for the Ken Griffey only happened because a lot of uh, things converged. And uh, that Ted Williams one I showed you, Dave, that one came right after that 99,000 one for the Ken Griffey. And that one ended up at about 41,000 copies which obviously is still very high compared to some of these earlier ones. Like the uh, Matt Taylor one I showed you is 8,800. But at the same time, it's like, it's all over the place. Like now the interesting part for me is like an economics nerd is, okay, now we figured out that there's a market. However, now is the market react going to react to these high print runs and high prices and say, wait a minute, this is stupid. What are we doing? And then people stop buying and then the prices come back down. But then if the prices come down enough for some of the more rare ones, are people like, wait a minute, it's underpriced. Bye, bye, bye. We'll see what happens, man. That uh, that I'm going to be watching that with fascination. But the bottom line overall for everybody is this is economics in a little vacuum for everybody. And the combination of boredom, uh, you know, coronavirus, people not being able to watch the actual games, and Tops doing something interesting that hasn't been done this way before with artists and all that, and artists with very divergent styles. And from Dave's cackle a couple of minutes ago, styles that really throw you off. Admit it, Dave, you want the Sandy Koufax no face. Don't lie to me. Yeah, no. No, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> hey, man, what are you going to do? I don't know what to tell you. 
so I myself, so let less it not be said that I ignore this completely. I did buy the Ted Williams that I showed you, Dave. Nice. And there was a Sandy Koufax around the same time that's in a different style that I also picked up because they were in the pair. So I bought those ones. Am I going to make my fortune on it? Probably not. But if I make any kind of a profit, I bought an extra of each. But if I make any kind of a profit, well, they're great. Otherwise, I don't care. They were ones that I was comfortable buying that I don't mind having in my collection. Yeah, which is fair. And if you approach it at that style and you buy it directly from Tops, you can't go wrong because the worst is you're out 20 bucks. Yeah. Not a big deal. But if you go buy them from somebody for, say, $2,500, you're an idiot. Well, yes. And you're beyond my help. Also true. Indeed. But there you go, Dave. Now I, I took us down the Project 2020 rabbit hole, and now you can uh, solely consider how you're going to uh, collect the art of your new favorite artist, Fuji. <laughs> I don't think you would. I, I don't think I would put that in your office, though. That might uh, that might not go over well with the wife. Yeah, I probably. I don't know, but yeah, just Fuji, no, yeah. Dave. Fuji. No, thank you. No, thank you. This whole segment made me so happy. Oh, good. I'm glad because let's talk yeah. about something else. I don't. I just... <laughs> Little did you know where we'd end up when we started this one. Yeah, I did not think we were going to go there, but we did. We got there, everybody. We, we got did. there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about some actual sportsish stuff as well. By the way, Project 2020 is frankly more interesting than this, but fine, we'll do it. You want to do the NBA one first, and then I'll get to the NHL one right after? Sure. Uh, so here's the thing, right? So go. there's obviously with any league that's coming back, the regular season is not finished. So what are they going to do about that? Now, it's better, I would say, in soccer, or sorry, in pretentious cross-country running. I know. Give it its proper term, Dave. Because there aren't playoffs, right? They have uh, tournaments in terms of, like, different cups that are, right? But it's, in European soccer, it's you play the season, and then the team that has the best record at the end of the season wins the championship. So that's a little easier to come back because you just play the games, right? And that's what's happening in Germany. They're playing more often. Uh, than they would have otherwise. They're playing two games a week right now. Do they play to win the game, though, Dave? Do they play to win the game? Uh, And it's a little weird, to be honest, watching them play in an empty stadium. Uh, I think what I think is weirder is how, though, at the beginning of the match, like before they actually start playing, everyone's wearing a mask. And it's like, okay, guys, time to play. And all the masks come off, uh, which is is weird. But that's what they're doing. Uh, So, you know, that's not an issue. But where a regular season determines playoff seating, and it isn't already decided... That's a that's a big deal, right? What it is for the NHL, it is for the NBA. So basically, this all boils down to what I'm going to tell you. All boils down to one thing. And you know what that is, Carlos? They want Zion in the playoffs. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. Now, currently, uh, you know, if the season actually ended today or the, with the games that they've played, and not all teams have played the same amount of games in the NBA, basically one through seven in the West is decided. And the eight seed is somewhat up for grabs. Memphis has, a, I think, a three-game lead on Portland and a three-and-a-half game on New Orleans. Right? Okay. So basically what they're saying is, okay, there was some talk about doing all the 16 teams that they would normally do, but then playing cross-conference. So again, nothing has been decided. But basically it's like, all right, so the new format they decided is that they're going to have a final playoff spot by having teams within six games of a postseason berth partake in regular season games following a play in, followed by a play-in tournament. So under this format, the Washington Wizards, Portland Trailblazers, New Orleans Pelicans, Sacramento Kings, San Antonio Spurs, and Phoenix Suns would join the current 16 playoff teams in finishing the season, right? And any team that is outside of that more than six games out of eighth, they're done, right? So okay. Golden State, see you later. Sure. You know, uh, kind of thing. So that's basically the thing right now. And they're kind of putting it before the board of directors. Right now, it doesn't seem to be having a ton of popularity. 
really the board directors right now wants to resume play with basically just go to the playoffs. Although there's some issue there because in order for the NBA to meet its obligations for all the regional TV deals, every team has to play 70 games, which they haven't. But then, you know, there's some teams like, well, okay, if there's no, if you have no chance of making the playoffs, right? Like if you're Golden State and let's say you've played 68 games, I don't know how many games. What, what the hell are you coming back to play two games for? Like, well, that's the Damian Lillard argument, right? Right, like, yeah, which it's it's stupid. But at the same time, if you're if you're Portland, you want a chance to play that. I mean, the schedule, the way it had been designed, there were two two games, like a home and away, that New Orleans and Memphis were going to play, which would not decide it, but would go a long way to deciding whether New Orleans is going to get that seat or not. It's tough because you want your teams to have a chance. And obviously the NBA wants to market its stars. And right now, one of those people is Zion. What well, You can argue whether he should be or not because he's a rookie who's only played 19 games. But that's where they're at. There were 19 spectacular games, Dave. They were spectacular for the most part. Uh, yes. And you know my love of all things New Orleans, Carlos. Yes, your irrational love of all things New Orleans. Yes, correct. But here's the thing. And future Golden Savior, James. Hey, you also know there's no peer in New Orleans, eh? What? Wait, wait, what? Hold on. Stop. Stop everything. Hold on. Don't care about the NBA anymore. I need this lack of peer situation explained. Well, just, I'm just saying there's no like... What the fuck is that, Dave? What's well, on Where's a my river? Pier? Well, just like a river. It's just all along the river. I mean, I guess you could argue that the whole river is a pier, but not really because it doesn't jut out anywhere. It's just... Dave, I don't care if they have to go the Vegas route and build out a piece of water in the middle of the damn thing to put a fucking pier in it. Mardi Gras is canceled until I get my fucking pier. <laughs> right now, you don't have it, Carlos. So... That's it. Mardi Gras is canceled forever. No beads for anyone, Dave. No beads for anyone. <laughs> Instead of showing your tits, now you gotta build a pier, and then Carlos will give you a beat. Show me your fucking pier is what I want, Dave. No nudity for Carlos. Just give him a pier. If I need nudity, Dave, I've got Fucci, your new favorite artist. Okay. <laughs> oh my god! Just print done. We're done. Podcast it over. All, it all came full circle. I got Jameis. I got peers. I got Fucci, and I got boobs all in one shot. Done. Next topic. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, exactly. All right. Was there anything about specifically about the proposal, though, other than your favorite artist, Fucci? Uh, you know what? I I think I don't know. I don't mind that like that. I mean, this is leading to the other. Like, that's what the NHL has really proposed, which I think is probably going to be accepted. What they're doing in 24, right? Yeah, right. So I'll get into more details about that. But they're looking yeah. at 24 teams and it's a little convoluted. So I'll explain when we get there. Yeah, yes. I mean, obviously, there's there's some different ways. But if they did this, basically, it's. You're still going to have one through 16 or one through eight for each conference be the be the teams in the playoffs. But they're just doing sort of this like little play in tournament so that the teams that potentially could have made a playoff spot, uh, however, unlikely for some of them uh, still get that chance, which I don't I don't actually mind. Uh, They're also looking at coming back. The target date right now is reportedly July 31st for the NBA to come back. So, you know what? Honestly, I mean. I'm happy because the Raptors are in second in the East and that's probably not going to change regardless of whether there are more games or not regular season games. Uh, but I mean, the Raptors are going to be in a playoffs position. That's not a question. So they're going to get the chance to defend their title. So I'm cool with that. Uh, yes, it would be nice to see Zion. Uh, so I'll take that too, if it happens, but I'm not going to, you know, cry at all if they're not in the playoff, maybe a little bit, but it might also be confused tears with the fact they don't have a peer. So who knows? I'm more concerned about the fact, Dave, you as an advocate of all things New Orleans 
haven't immediately, and I mean promptly, been at the forefront of getting a fucking pier built in the place, because frankly, I refuse to acknowledge New Orleans as a place. It is now dead to me. It is like Muskoka. It is like Hamilton. It is like the CFL. It does not exist, Dave. Oh, Carlos. Unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. Had I known that, had I known, this is this is a serious bombshell, Dave. This is, if if you hadn't brought it up up until right now, this would have been like, this is a, this is a serious accusation. I got to get my people on the line with Jameis. He's got to reconsider and go to a real place. Huh? Just, just terrible. Yeah. You think with all the, you think with all Drew Brees has done for the community, he would have built him a fucking pier. He could have built it in the middle of, in the middle of the freaking Beale Street. Who cares? Just put a pier there. Yeah, that's true too. Shh. No more of this talk of this backwater New Orleans. Uh, one more thing. Uh, was there anything specific in the proposal about what potential hub cities there would be, though? Because they, almost all these proposals... Oh, uh, basically, the Orlando. Everything's going through Orlando. Oh, that's the Mickey... That's the... Um, they're going to play the, at Disney, Disney World, Wild right? World of Sports. Uh, and Because you know, their original talk was that they were thinking of playing game, you know, doing like Eastern Conference games in a city and then Western Conference games in a city. But obviously, if East had to play, like if they were just doing the playoffs and then they would figure out where the finals are going to get played. But if obviously if you're going to do regular season games too, that's not going to work. So it sounds like, and this is, I would say, one of the things that's pretty much going to happen is that they're going to do everything in Orlando. So if it all comes to pass, Dave, and it all happens on time and occurs, over under on 15,000 appearances from the mouse. Over. Yeah, I think you take the over. I think the pregame show, I think they all wear Mickey Mouse heads as part of the coverage is i think what they should do yeah i'm cool with that yeah that's the best way to do it anyway what do you so that's what the nba is thinking of that's where they're at what do you think about the proposal that has come from the nhl with their 24 team playoff tournament where there's a bunch of buys yeah i think it's interesting well it is and it isn't so here so let's let's talk about it this way so the the nhl proposal is they would be looking at potentially two hub cities they've got it narrowed down to a short list uh, some of it's complicated because they did include some Canadian cities, and I don't think that's a, I think that's a no go. I think travel between countries would be really tricky. I think realistically they would probably pick two American cities, and it would probably be the best thing for them to do if they're going to try to pull this off. Trying to cross borders and doing all kinds of crazy stuff is like that'd be tough because you'd be isolated within that hub city area to get those teams in there. So it'd be looking at 24 teams, the top four of each conference get a buy ish. It's it's like they. Um, They'll basically play a round robin to establish their seeding. Like, obviously, they've got the seeding based on the regular season. The NHL proposal also says that the regular season, for all intents and purposes, is done. And whatever records and numbers for the year have been established. So uh, the, the Rocket Richard Trophy would go between Alexander Ovechkin and um, I can't remember who else has 48 goals. It's Alexander Ovechkin and somebody else. They would share the uh, Maurice Richard Trophy this year. Austin Matthews and Toronto would be one behind at 47. The scoring title would already be established. Basically, all the different awards would be that are based on statistics would already be established. Unfortunately, too bad for Ovechkin because this year he was pretty much going to get 50 goals, which would have been his ninth 50 goal season, which would have tied the record with Gretzky. Uh, so that's kind of a shame that he l- narrowly misses out on it. And then w- he had one other season in his career where he had 49 goals. So technically, he should probably be at 10 seasons, which would be the record. And unfortunately, he's going to miss out on that uh, because of circumstances. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Yeah, because these are like historic things that we're talking about here. And it's not a guarantee he gets back to 50 goals next year. We'll see. But regardless, um, we're done with all that wherever we are. The big thing that I think is going to be interesting, though, is not so much like the teams at the top. It's that obviously the teams that are getting drawn in as part of the kind of play-in portion of it, which is seeds 5 through all the way down to uh, 12, they got to kind of play to uh, in different series to be able to get in. But where it gets complicated, so that in and of itself is a little bit complicated, 
but I could like draw it out for you. We'd be able to figure it out. It's fine. Where it gets complicated is how this plays into the draft. Because as pertains to the way this works, is you would still run the draft. You could potentially have to run the draft twice. And it really comes down to whether a team that falls in a playoff spot wins one of the top three uh, things in the lottery, which is possible. Or, um, yeah, which is possible. And depending on what happens in that little playoff section, you could either roll with it if one of the really bad, if three of the really bad teams get the one, two, three spot, or if one of the quote unquote playoff teams gets one of those one, two, three spots, then potentially you'd have to rerun a second draft to figure that out later on. Yeah, like nobody wants to do that. It just, it, I'm not doing it fully justice because there is a lot to it, and I will link an article in the show notes because it's too complicated kind of to explain here. But the long story short is that it could get very complex depending on what happens in that play-in round with those eight teams underneath the top four. Yeah. And then after you obviously you've played, finished that section, you would reseed them. The first, uh, the play-in section would be a best of five. And then I believe based on the proposal, then once you get into that, then you're down to eight teams per conference, kind of a more traditional format. And then I guess you would be best of seven, uh, like normal. And then you'd play it out till you have a Stanley Cup champion. And um, it would run you well into the summer. That's why picking your hub cities very carefully would be absolutely key. Yeah, and I'm surprised that uh, Toronto is on the short list there. Well, I'm not because of capacity. Like, it doesn't make sense. And they got to throw them a bone and at least consider them. I don't think they're, it's a realistic option because tr- Ontario isn't ready. They're not really, you know, they're trying to open stuff back up, but I wouldn't trust that, especially with the amount of personnel and people you'd have to try to house. Mind you, the hotels are empty. So if you put them in the downtown core and all the hotels are empty, you control the environment. You probably could, but how many American players and foreign players would be comfortable being locked down for the period of time of the playoffs in the city? Yeah, well, that's true too, right? And then there's the issue of, you know, how do people have to quarantine? I mean, I know the U.S. has said now any uh, any foreign professional athlete coming into the country does not have to quarantine, which I think is dumb. Like, okay, if, if you're a professional athlete, it's fine, no matter where you're coming from. But if you're anybody else, you have to quarantine. That's stupid. Well, that's and elitist. Pro- <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks, uh, thanks, Karl Marx. Anyway, um, the thing is though that um, you keep fighting for the proletariat, but the uh, but the thing is though that this is the inconsistency of okay, we really want to get games on so that we can make everything work, so we'll bend over backwards to adjust some rules to make this happen. But at the same time, it's like well. You're, you're going to struggle with some inconsistencies because no matter what, for these playing proposals, you need enough tests in order to make it work. And this has always been the issue. And uh, even if you do get enough tests, like they also had to build in contingencies. Like, okay, if somebody does contract it, you know, how many people is okay before we got a problem and we have to shut down a team? Yeah, well, exactly. And like, this is the calculus you have to do. And, you know, how serious does it have to be? How many players, you know, if personnel get it, whatever. How do you quarantine? How do you isolate? What do you do? And um, I, I could see them trying to do it. Like I would think at this point they have to try. It's just execution. I don't know what that's going to look like. So that's why I say, like, in addition to being really complicated, I'm happy the NHL at least laid it out. And Gary Bettman made clear in his announcement that he said, like, look, not everybody's going to be happy no matter how we do this. This is the best we could come up with to try to get the season in because we want to try to award a championship here. Yeah, um, exactly. And that's really what it came down to. It's like, look, this is the best we can do. And some teams, no matter what, are not going to be happy with the draft because I'm sure someone who is in a really good position to get a good draft spot is going to lose out. 
and maybe a good team who doesn't need it gets a good draft spot, like it's very possible. It's all guaranteed somebody's getting screwed. Absolutely, 100%. So it's just a matter of like, uh, how lucky or unlucky do you feel? Well, yeah. So that's kind of the, you know, the NHL aspect of it. It's, it's, there's a lot to it and there's a lot of moving parts. And the problem is it's all a proposal. Like if um, they're not ready in time, they can't find a suitable hub city, they can't decide or whatever happens, then uh, all of this gets blown up and it's all moot. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, I mean, I know some people are obviously really into hockey and, this, you know, I, I could care less where they come back. Like, I, I, you know, whatever. Well, we've already established it. Uh, you're, you're a trader's dog that does not uh, appreciate the Canadian game. Okay. Um, but also, also under this proposal, there is no PK Subban in the playoffs. Can we just put that out there? It is true. It is true. But I, we already established this. You're not following PK Subban to New Jersey. What happened? Well, yeah, I know, but I just. Yeah, I need some other reason to argue against this proposal, and that's the most logical one, right? Yeah. So doesn't New Jersey have a pier? Well, somewhere in New Jersey. They have Atlantic City, so yeah, they got a, they got a boardwalk. I'm sure there's plenty of piers in New Jersey, since it's a coastal state. So what you're trying to tell me is that New Jersey is vastly superior to New Orleans. Oh, you know what? They have pier supremacy, Dave. They have pier supremacy. I didn't realize that was the only thing that mattered was pure supremacy. Well, given the, given the low bar of the places we're talking about, Dave, any, any supremacy is supremacy. <laughs> Give New Jersey this, Dave. Like, they got supremacy about something. That's fair. That's fair. Throw them a freaking bone, you bastard. Jesus. A moment ago, you were all about, you know, not being elitist, and now they're like, oh, the pier's not good enough for me. Well, all right, all right. I'll just fine. Fine, fine. Just saying, Dave, I just want some take integrity here, some consistency, Dave, is all I want from you. That's all I want. I'm clearly being very consistent in in giving elevation to places with peers. Yes, you are. Indeed, indeed. Any other thoughts on the NHL one? Like I said, it is simple and complicated at the same time. So there is a little bit of both to it. Yeah, no, I, not really. Like, I'm I'm actually okay with it. I think it's it's probably better and, and fairer than if you just pick the, the teams that were in a playoff spot at the end of the year. Yeah, it's going to screw up the draft, but like, you, like I think anything is going to screw up the draft. You kind of just have to roll with that. Indeed, indeed. Now, I believe, I had to look at the seating again. I haven't looked at it. I believe this proposal leaves Montreal with an outside shot at potentially making a, a couple of rounds and maybe even causing some problems. I, I think so, especially since the first round supposed to be five games, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what so. I mean. Like, it, that first round is super dangerous. If you're outside of that top four, you're, you're like, uh, you're gambling right now because if that proposal comes to pass, it's like, okay, you're pay, playing an inferior team. You could play the number 12 team and get bounced if you... Uh, if you if you lose three games yeah which i mean it makes it more interesting yes right so there's there's that but there's a very dangerous element to that first round that does add a little bit of intrigue i will say and like i said the potential ability to absolutely wreck the draft and mess with some people is really uh the salt would be real dave yes yes it would so i think that's good with that uh those are like i said we don't want to spend too much time on the play on the return to play proposals because again they are proposals there's not really a lot of um there's still a lot of things that have to be figured out, and I, I kind of want to see it be more imminent. I want to be like, okay, we're going to do this July 15th or whatever. And then I'd be like, okay, fine. At least now we have a date. Now it's kind of like, well, it can't be any earlier than whatever, but it could be later. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? That, that doesn't help very much, and I can't get either excited or moved or anything by, well, we think if everything goes according to plan and if it's all good and the direction of the wind is fine – and, uh, you know, everybody wears red after Labor Day, then we're good. Okay, awesome. How many random qualifiers do you want to put into this, right? And that's the thing. Nobody can be definitive, and that's where we're all in that holding pattern I mentioned earlier. Okay, speaking of holding patterns, since we're uh, still in that vein, 
Let's talk a little bit about the back and forth between uh, Major League Baseball players and owners. Millionaires versus billionaires. Part infinity. Yeah, like, so the basically the thing is that owners want the players to take a bigger pay cut. The players are like, F you. Now we're going to give you a counter proposal, which in which we ask for something that you're not going to agree to. Maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, probably two. Let's go two weeks ago. I was quite optimistic that baseball was going to come back and we're going to have a shortened season, but I'm not so sure now. And I also feel like from a lot, I I mean, I'm not, I can't off the top of my head right now, name any specific players, but I know there's some players. The talk is that, well, if they don't play 162 games, where's the integrity in the season? If they did like an 81 and then the world series championship is going to have an asterisk. And this whole fucking year has an asterisk between it. No, it doesn't. I think there would be more impetus to get back to playing if they'd already started, but because they haven't actually started, I don't think people care as much for whatever reason. Okay. So there's a couple of things to unpack. Hold on. Hold on. There's a couple of things that you said there that I think are worth unpacking a little bit. That's a fair point. However, I think interest in baseball has waned a lot. And one point that is being made by some folks, which I think is valid is that major league baseball needs to be very careful and tread lightly because right now, none of the none of the sports are going. We, we talked about the NBA proposal. We talked about the NHL proposal. Major League Baseball is the closest one to potentially actually being able to play soonish if they got their act together. However, if they fail to take advantage of this window during the time period when they normally would be playing, then they will basically accede to football. Because I promise Roger Goodell will do every he will crawl over shattered glass and cut himself all the way, as will several of the owners, to get that on there with the billions at stake in their television product. They will create Biodome. They will create, you know, uh, it will happen. I promise. They will. Cre- Jerry Jones will have a personal Dallas Cowboy Biodome. He will get each player a spacesuit. He will find something, some way of, of getting that to happen because there's billions on the line. They will buy fucking Fight Island directly from Dana White and turn it into NFL Island. If Just that's know, I, was, I wanted to say something about Fight Island, but I was like, I'm, I'm going to leave that to you, Carlos. Uh, it's my it's my thing. It's uh, my thing that I got. But but yeah, no, I, I agree. Like the NFL season is going to play in some capacity. We'll see what happens. Uh, they will do everything that's possible. You know, but I think th- the other thing is they've got time on their side right now. Yes. Right. Yeah. And and I think obviously the NHL, the NBA, they've started. So they really want to finish. Yes. Uh, plus, you know, there's outstanding contracts in terms of TV, TV money, whatever. Uh, yeah. Baseball is obviously going to lose money if they don't play. And, you know, people are, that work at baseball stadiums. Uh, or, you know, have a side business that somehow it works around, you know, maybe selling gear for team on the day of or whatever. Your points are all validated, but let's just make this clear for everybody. The owners do not give a fuck about any of those people. This is true. Care about themselves. The owners care about making money. The players, to a certain degree, they sort of-ish care. They've got a little more in common with those people, but they're but they mostly care about their money too. Now, one other thing I do want to unpack, though, is your point about the player, uh, about the season integrity. I think that's the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard. Those people clearly do not, or those players don't really clearly do not understand the history of the game. The 162 is not built into the bylaws and history of baseball. The 162 was done because of expansion. The 162 was done because the owners wanted to also make more money. Because for many years it was 154. The whole asterisk thing became because it's like, well, you know, Roger Maris broke the home run record in 162 game season when Ruth did it in 154, and it's like, well, yeah. But back even earlier in the days, it's like, well, at one point, the season was like 100 games. When the Cincinnati Red Stockings were out there dominating in the 1860s, um, it was however many games they could organize and get together. It was glorified barnstorming. It's like you made shit up. Seasons are seasons. 
things change. And, well, we're, and, and we're in unique circumstances right now. And you, you know, like, I don't think that means that if whatever team end up winning the world series, that their world series is son somehow not as worthy as whoever else is right. Like I, I don't buy that either. Well, the thing is, if you, if, if somebody wants to make that argument, fine, but I would then ask, okay, are you, when is the Astros coming from the 1981 Dodgers? Is that because it was a strike season? Yeah, it was. Right. Okay. Yeah. It was a shortened season. Because I think the Dodgers won in 81, right? Yes, they did. Yeah, so that was a shortened season. It was, In fact, it was a shortened season that in order to make it work, they came up with the first half and second half of the season. Yeah, right? Yeah, and right. that was weird. <laughs> that was extremely weird. If you go back, and anybody who wants to look it up a little bit, the 1981 season was very weird. And it ended up, you actually had a first half winner who had to play a second half winner, and they came up with some funky playoff format that year only. That wasn't the case in 81, and it wasn't the case in 82. It was because of the, the player strike that year. It, it became this weird, funky, like two halves to a season, and then the two winners of each half played in a playoff, and somehow the Expos got screwed because that's the way you play it. Yeah, all true. Yeah, and there's no asterisk there. That counts. No, and, and I mean, same thing with the NBA shortened lockout season in the 90s, right? The yeah. the Was that the 98-99 season, right? Yeah, and one other one I would give you right? also related to baseball Spurs, that's even more that, recent. Sorry, the Spurs aren't listed as with an asterisk because of that one yep and the other one i'll give you baseball related that's more recent for everybody how about the 95 season well yeah the braves won in the 95 season the 95 season was short too yes it was not like super duper but it was definitely not 162 games no that's all true so that's, that's what i mean it's like this isn't the first time this has happened and it's it's weird that people like seem to forget the reason why i mentioned the 95 is like uh just so we're all clear guys you do know that like Yes, this was, you know, it was, I grant you, this was more than 25 years ago, but um, y'all do realize that this happened. It was and happened. And you know what? At some point in the future, something's going to happen that's going to make a season, wonk, season wonking again, right? Like an, yeah. a, a strike, a lockout, another pandemic, like who knows, right? Yeah. But something, you know, history repeats itself. Something is going to happen that is going to require a season to be shortened or or whatnot and you know what shit happens in that respect and people deal with it and someone's gonna win and maybe it's not as fair as it as it could have been otherwise but at the same time whoever wins is still the champion indeed like i said weird seasons happen uh weird stuff happens it is in baseball history baseball history is long enough that weird shit happens all the time it's just maybe maybe people got so inoculated to it that they're like oh yeah this is weird it's like it's baseball weird shit happens a lot it's, hap it's also happened a lot, and it will happen a lot. Yeah. So I think that's it for me, Dave. Uh, that's really the main things I wanted to talk about. Uh, my favorite segment, of course, was Project 2020, because now now you know, Dave, as an art connoisseur, you know what you need to chase after. Uh, Fuchi, it's F-U-C-C-I, everybody. Uh, Dave's new artist, uh, favorite. <laughs> Get on it, people, while you still can. Hey, there's still time, Dave. I have you know that we're only on, like, card 95, and there's going to be 400 cards, Dave. So there is more Fuji. You seem very excited about that, Carlos. Wait until you get to Bob Gibson Fuji. Ooh, I like this. I like this. They, but remember, I told you there are 20 players. I know. Uh, the Tony Gwynn Fuji. Like, we, we're not done yet. We have yet to begin, Dave. Not only are we not done, we're not even close to being done. Indeed. We've got over 300 more cards. Brace yourselves, everyone. Your bodies are not ready. No, but now is your chance to get your mind ready. And you can still get it on the Topps website when the hell it comes up. 48 hours at a time. 
for $19.99 or $17.50 if you buy the pair. Get on it, people. Get on it. Live the dream, my friends. Live the dream, my friends. And with all that, and on that bombshell, I think that'll conclude this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. I will be sitting by waiting for the next uh, great Fuji so that I can get Dave his uh, birthday present early because I know what he needs. I know what he wants. Don't let him fool you. I know what he needs. It does, it, I think the important, th- the, the important thing in there is is not what do, what he wants or anything like that. It's, it's what you need. It's what he needs. That's the key. In these dark times, Dave, where you don't have P.K. Subban on a team that you can accept, you you back you back a city that doesn't have a peer later for not being a real city in these dark times, Dave. Oh, and just so you know, I I spent some time during this podcast looking up, going through maps of New Orleans. Yeah, there's no pier, man. There's something called a pier. It's a boardwalk, not a pier. There's no pier. So, Dave, as you well know, I don't wish ill upon people. It's not what I do. Yeah, yes, it kind of is, but uh, not all the time. You know, sometimes I do. Um, are you sure we couldn't flood New Orleans a couple of more times? You know, like the biblical plagues, like th- these heathens need to be dealt with. Well, I'm sure with global warming, it'll happen eventually. Indeed. And I don't want it to. I don't want it to because I love New Orleans. I still love them despite, I may have to rethink my love of peers now because of this, Carlos. That's how much this has affected me. I would be mortally wounded if you abandoned peers for New Orleans, Dave. No. Stay tuned. We'll find out on the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. Yes, indeed. Now now everybody knows that it's like we're going to have some cognitive dissidence for Dave. He's trying to believe in two contrary things at the same time. He loves peers, but he also loves New Orleans. He doesn't have a peer. How will we resolve this moral quandary? That's the cliffhanger we can all leave on. All right, everybody. Remember, buy more Fuji art. Take Dave's advice. He is an art critic after all. And before you go, one more thing. I will give you all the places where you can check out the podcast. You can check it out on Google, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check it out on YouTube, where archived versions of this with cartoon versions of our faces are available. Maybe, if we play our cards right, maybe we could get art by Fuji. That'd be kind of cool. But unfortunately, Dave, you will have boobs, because Fuji, Fuji needs to scratch the itch somewhere. One of us has to, right? Yeah, and it's pretty much you. But uh, with all that said... I'll take a bullet for that. I'll, I'll take one for the team in this case, Carlos. So noble. It's the right thing to do. So noble. And that leaves us at the end of this episode. So thank you always for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.